Okay, last week Jeannie uh, talked about being filled with the Spirit. And uh, each one of these topics on the Holy Spirit are not just a lesson and not just uh, um, a semester, but they're a lifetime study of... um, I've grown up in the churches of Christ, and um, I love the churches of Christ and a lot of things, but growing up in the church of Christ, I wasn't given a vocabulary, at least in my particular small place in the world, I wasn't given a vocabulary to communicate the Holy Spirit. Um, When I was young, the Holy Spirit was in the Word only. and so, as I got older in the college, um, there was more talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, and um, and so since I've been out of college, that's been forty-three years, and I'm still asking a lot of questions, um, and so. As I'm going to be sharing some information today, what I want you to know is that I'm not sharing it because I've got it figured out. I'm sharing it because this is kind of where I am. And chances are you may be further down the road than me. Um, um, Because sometimes I don't know if I don't understand the Spirit so much because I don't have the vocabulary or it's either sin or a a stronghold that Satan has in my life that keeps me from seeing the Spirit. And I don't always know the difference. Now, I know my sin. Don't get me wrong. And uh, I have others that can help me know my sin. but, But... it's kind of a, a connection between, between all those. And so basically, the point I want to work off of today is that the fruit of the Spirit appears only when there's a connection or a relationship. Holy Spirit me. Holy Spirit. I have Holy Spirit in me, but as I, each time I say I or me, we need to substitute the church body. Because there's no such thing as the Holy Spirit in just me. Um, it's like I can't function in this world by myself. I have to have other people around me. Now, that's really hard for me to do. For those of you on the Enneagram, I'm an eight, and eights don't like sharing emotions, and eight don't, don't well, I don't like depending on other people. And 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 the Sinful side of that is, I want all the glory. <laughs> so if I do good, I want all the good that comes with it. But obviously, when I mess up, um, I get all that credit too. But let me tell you something. When I mess up, people rarely forget it. You know, some people sin quietly. I haven't figured that out yet. 
because when I go over the top, I really go over the top, and uh, uh, I make hell not only for myself, but for other people as well. So when I talk about the Holy Spirit and the connection, I'm not talking about just individuals, um, but I'm talking about the Holy Spirit and the church and working with each one of our lives. Um, I know we haven't gotten our brains maybe going yet, um, but let me just ask this. What makes a, a career uh, meaningful and effective? What makes a career meaningful and effective? Accomplishments. Accomplishments. Good. Applied skills. You feel like you're using your giftedness. But you also realize that you didn't get there by yourself. Opportunities that have opened up. Uh, what makes uh, what makes friendship meaningful and strong? Crises. Yeah. Connection. Yeah. Communication. Communication. Time. Yeah. Time. 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 Absolutely. Transparency. Hmm? Transparency. And the next one I was going to ask was is marriage, but a lot of the same answers you gave. Um, Jean and I's marriage wouldn't be where it is today if we hadn't gone through what we call the black hole of our marriage. And it was, wasn't just having young children. <laughs> we, we had a newborn two-year-old, four-year-old. But then I also had a major sinful idiot spell during that time. So I told you a minute ago, when I, when I mess up, it's uh, unfortunately sometimes on the grand scale, and people don't forget. Uh... But that's beside the point. Um, we live in an age where bookstores are full of self-help books. There's podcasts, YouTube videos. I, I have picked up woodworking over the past nine months. And I love it. Um, but one of the things my kid is, kids have taught me is that when you don't know exactly how to do something, you what? You Google it. You Google it. You YouTube it. Absolutely. And so uh, my tabletop's work, working out well, so I looked at a YouTube on sanding. And the, and the silly thing is, it wasn't but about 10 minutes, but it transformed my ability to make tabletops and make them where they're just smooth as silk. And um, so when we are looking for answers, we go things, go do things for ourselves. Um, we listen to podcasts, we listen to TED Talks. We, in the American culture, in the Western culture, the, the, the principle is this, knowledge is power. I need, I, 
the key to me getting better is knowledge. This a little bit of a funny thing. When I first started preaching uh, many years ago, uh, I remember going to one of my first deacons meetings at the Smyrna Church of Christ. And a topic came up about something going on with our young people. And one of the deacons said, I think Mike ought to preach on it. What was the assumption in that statement? I need more information. I need more information. That if I preached on it, if we had the information, then what? Things would be different. It really says that guy didn't want to face his problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, but the point is, is them. that we, we think that if some we'll just tell someone what's the right thing to do. As a matter of fact, the 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 um, hermeneutical foundation of the churches of Christ is pattern theology for many years. If we know what to do and if we'll just do it right, then we'll be faithful. And now we're paying the price. Now, first, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. Because we're doing things today that we think are good that our kids are going to look back and say, what were our parents thinking? <laughs> you know, I know, I know that. Uh, I believe the pattern theology, they thought it was a good idea. And it seemed like a good idea. We're, we're just following biblical examples. Does that make sense? And, um, but in all of that, we, the, the whole idea was, we emphasize, in, the, in our tradition, we emphasize Bible knowledge. We praise Bible reading, not transformation. We praised the fact that you prayed every day instead of having a personal connection with our Lord. Prayer became a tool for some, for me, for some. Now, if we think about the fruit of the Spirit, um, if, I were to, if I were to tell you today that we're going to have a class on the fruit of the Spirit, then what do you think we're going to talk about? Why? Because if we can get the knowledge... If we can get the information and you can understand what it is to be patient more, then I can have the fruit of the Spirit. Isn't that interesting? And I'm not throwing everybody on the bus because I have taught classes on the fruit of the Spirit for a quarter and all we talked about was love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and all we could do. I preach sermon series on it. So when I throw us under the bus, I'm the first one going under, if you're with me. Um, the whole idea is then if we know what to do, that's what's important. Uh, when I was preaching, our, our kids were teenagers. Um, Melanie was a junior or senior, I think. And we had a marriage retreat at church where we went off for a weekend. And on the way home, Jeannie and I had the worst fight of our entire marriage. Since then, 
I mean, this was monumental. It was a sentinel moment. Yes, yes. And, and you know I had put Jeannie in a bad place because she's low conflict. And we were going at each other. So I had already pushed the buttons uh, that caused uh, the inner demon to come out of her. <laughs> well, this is a 30-minute ride home. <laughs> well, when we drove in the driveway, we were not finished. <laughs> and so what we did, we got out of the car and we went into the backyard. We weren't going to go in the house because the kids were in the house. So we went to the backyard. Of course, our voices were not calm. My, I can speak for my genie. My voice was not calm, and all of a sudden I turned around and looked at the bay window, and all three of our kids were sitting at the window going. This is after you've been to a marriage seminar? Okay. That's what brought it up. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Slide it all out. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, uh, realized that we should go to counseling. After a little bit of counseling, discovered that I was the one that needed counseling and the fact that I was struggling with depression. Jeannie could, the joke on women is you plot their times of the month. Jeannie says I could plot your times when you would fall into depression. How could something happen in my life that consistently and I not see it? And whoever I was struggling with at the moment I dropped into depression became the focal point of my anger. That happened to be Jeannie, the marriage retreat. That's where it was. If it was with someone else, with the church, with the elder, I mean, I, I was no respecter of persons whom I would throw my hatred at in a godly way. But I remember sitting in a counseling session. At this point, Jeannie was just an observer. Um, because I, I thought, well, if I couldn't see it, she's going to have to help me see what's going on as I talk to the counselor. And as we were talking, I kept asking the psychologist, just tell me what to do. And every time I said it, he looked at me like I was crazy. And then one day he said, and he, he was a good friend of mine. He said, Mike, it's not about doing, it's about being. You got to become, not just do something different. And so, um, <laughs> can you tell them I'm, I'm off my antidepressants? <laughs> I'm supposed to do a sleep study Tuesday and Wednesday, 24 hour sleep study, and uh, he's got me off my. My drugs. So I cry easier. When I'm on my drugs, I'm heartless. I'm a, as my sister-in-law would say, I'm a cold-hearted killer. <laughs> I mean, I can be anywhere and I won't cry. I don't care what you're going through. 
but today I'll probably cry to anything. Um, as Christians, within our Western culture, within our churches, we have encouraged striving. We've encouraged people that you've got to, you, if it's to be, it's up to you to make it happen. And um, we try to produce the fruits of the Spirit and we do fine for a while and then autopilot kicks in and we go back to our old ways. Paul says the very thing I don't want to do, I do. Or we try to discipline ourselves. And then life happens and we don't have as much time and things get crowded out and the longer we lose our discipline. But here's the reality. If we spend our time striving to bring about the fruit of the Spirit, all we're producing is artificial fruit. It looks like it. It may even feel like it. But it's not. Jeannie used to keep these red apples on the center of our table. And they were plastic. And um, it looked like an apple. But it wasn't an apple. You couldn't eat it. And when we strive to produce the fruits of the Spirit and we do things that seem to be like the Spirit, the people around us see through it. And so... It's interesting since the last... last uh, of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. When I strive, let me tell you why striving appeals to us. It's because it keeps us in control and the Holy Spirit's not in control. I, my fears, my concerns are minimized when I'm striving But when the Holy Spirit takes over, I don't know quite where this is going to go. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8. Um, okay. 5 through 17. Some people fuss about the worship team practicing. I kind of like it. <laughs> Romans 8. Those who live according to the <coughs> sinful nature, the, um, the actually a better word to translate there is flesh. This says sinful nature. Those who have their minds set on the flesh have their minds set on what that nature 
the flesh nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind, here's what I want you to get. When you're striving, when you're trying to make it happen yourself, listen to this verse. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. When you are striving, you are following your sinful mind. When you are in control, you are following your sinful mind, and you cannot do. And when you're wondering, and and I know Romans 7 says the very thing I don't want to do, I do, and that sort of thing. Because this is, this is part of the tension and the struggle in all of this. But the only way for us to have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives is when there's a connection, a relationship between the Holy Spirit and me, Holy Spirit and others, driven by love. Now, if, we're led, if we live by the flesh, it leads to death. And because we're running short of time, of course, another funny thing um, about my preaching, I would come home and preach a sermon. After preaching a sermon, I'd say, well, what do you think? And she said, that would have made a nice series. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, don't ask the question. Plus, uh, I can deal with the answer. It's a smirk. <laughs> I've got to say something. Anyway, I'm, so basically I've written a series today. That's the point is. The point was not Jeannie. The point was me. Um, in 2 Corinthians 3, 17, 18, he says, You are being transformed into his likeness you you don't do the transforming to make this effective you've got to understand that you don't know how to do it you don't know what path needs to be taken and you don't know uh, where you need to go what you need to do what you need to hear, and only the Spirit can do that. If freedom prayer has taught me anything else, it's taught me that. Not only in my life, but I have prayed, oh, probably 60 or 70 people, and I've seen it in every prayer session. Every single one. Um, so, Turn your Bibles to John 15. You all know this passage, right? What's this passage about? The vine and the branches. Yes. Our Wednesday night class by Lisa Turkhurst has been the I am statements. And everything you've been saying just made me think about this. I am the vine, remain in me. 
remain. And that's not doing a whole lot. That's right. That's not a strike. Uh huh. But here's the thing I want you to think about as we read this passage that we've read a thousand times. Stop and think about how freeing it is to abide. And how much simpler life will be if we just abide. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, and every branch that, it, that bears fruit, He prunes. In other words, we're all going to get cut so that it will be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. In other words, we don't, we don't have to worry about being clean because he's already made us clean. But when we're striving, we're continually trying to prove ourselves and to earn our worth and our value when he says that's already taken care of. Then he says... Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Um, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 7, if you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish. And it will be given to you. And this is my Father's glory. That you bear much fruit. What are we talking about today? The fruit of the Spirit. So he says that God wants to use you, you, you bunch of knuckleheads, to bear fruit. If you ask, I'll give it to you. But he says, all you have to do is to abide in me. To connect with me. To have a relationship with me. That's, that's it. And John 6, when he fed the 5,000, they followed him to the other side of the lake, right? And he said, you're following me because I gave you food. He said, don't work for food that spoils, but work for food that endures to eternal life. And they said, what works do you want us to do? And he says, your work is this. He didn't say read your Bible every day. He didn't say pray every day. He didn't say share kindness to five people today. He says, your job is to believe and the one whom God has sent. Period. Believe. Now, does that make life simple? That's it. That's all you're expected to do. This afternoon, tonight, tomorrow morning, that's all you're expected to do is just believe. That's it. It can't get any simpler. In the other passage in John, in 1 John, he says, My commands are not burdensome. Why are they not burdensome? Because I'm not striving to do them. I'm just abiding with Him. Turn your Bibles to Titus 3. We're going to look at 3 through 8. 
So we got connection here, right? We're going to skip. Y'all right, you need to go home and read Titus 3. We're going to skip to John 3, 16. Here's the thing I, would, I wanted you to connect with Titus. He says, we are saved by His mercy through the washing and rebirth of the renewal of the Holy Spirit. How cool is that? You've been rewashed, which means you're clean, and I'm giving you renewal through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, Ephesians 3. Who has verse 16? Did I say John? Well, I mean Ephesians. It's going to sound more like what I had in mind if you read Ephesians. What verse? 16 through 21. I pray that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through His Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Okay, can you read verse 16 again, please? I pray that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through His Spirit. Strengthened with power in your inner being. Now, I'm still trying to get my hands around what that means. There's somebody that I listen to, and he's uh, an engineer. Um, and he, in verse 18, he talks about a, a physical, a physical dimensionality to this verse, because there's a width, there's a length, there's a height and a depth. There's four dimensions that 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 God's God's love. It's like we're, we're inside of this, this box. We're inside of this, oh, words. Um, we are, it's like we are physically encased. Right. Because we are in Christ. Yes, and in, in a fully enclosed, um, and that's why Paul uses length and width and height and depth. Yeah, it's to give us a grounding inside of this solid thing that is the love of God. Do you know that uh, in Christ is used 16 times in Ephesians alone? He's trying to get an idea. In six chapters, he's trying to get an idea across. Being in Christ. Having this connection, this relationship is there. Now, Mike, you know it says that that word inner being there is is always been so powerful to me because it it's 
in the at the seat of my soul and volitional nature and everything that uh, what I what I am and what I do is all driven by the Spirit. Okay. So you said doing right here. So you got identity, and what else did you say? Volitional nature. Okay, I'll have to Google that, or you're gonna tell me what that means. <laughs> what drives you to do what you do? Okay. Your motivations. Your motivations. Yeah. You got identity. You got volitional. Uh, you got uh, um, what else did you say? Okay. <laughs> All right. That's our problem, Carrie. <laughs> it just goes. Were they listening? I oh, am. Yeah. All right. What does inner being mean to you? When you think about inner being, what comes to mind? Heart. Heart. That's our spiritual person. Mm-hmm. I think of my mind, my will, my emotions which is a definition of the soul. Mm-hmm. So you've got mind, will, emotions. Okay. I believe, I believe that there's a power in the Spirit that drives us. I don't have the vocabulary to explain it all. But I can only speak from experience. Um, we're going to look at some verses right quick. And I'm going to have different ones of you to do this. Uh, someone look at Romans 5, 1 through 8. We're not going to read all of these. Uh, someone else, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And the third person is Ezekiel 36, 26. Ezekiel 36, 26. Who has Romans 5? Okay. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance helps develop strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. When you have truly experienced someone's love, what does it do to you? It changes you. Absolutely. It makes you leak out that love. Yes. Isn't it interesting that the first and second greatest commandments are love God and love others? Because when you when you have been given love, it empowers you. People look at Jeannie and I sometimes, they say, how can you walk with some of these people? And because they're really messed up people. And we go, because 
We're messed up people that somebody else loved. So all we want to do is love somebody else the way we've been loved. I want to love my children the way my parents love me. I've tried to love Jeannie as she loved me and I just keep, I can't ever catch up. But love is life changing. Who has uh, Romans 12? Okay. One and two. Uh-huh. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay. He says, renew your mind. And after you renew your mind, then what's going to happen? You're going to have to go out and do what? Test it. And once you test it, then you will see that it is His good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many times have we eaten the words that we've said to our parents because they were right? As we have raised children... I would never say, I told you so. But I don't know how many times I've used the phrase because I said so, or I told you so. I'm not, no, it's not the phrase, I told you so. It was the phrase, uh, because I said so. Just because. Um, when you've been in one place in life, and you've been given new information to give you freedom, that's empowering. Are you with me? Yeah, especially if you see the, uh, the connection. Yeah. When I, when I know somebody loves me, I know that when they share with me, I will let Jeannie critique me all day long because I know she loves me. And I know she wants me to be the best me I can be. And so, out of this relationship, I have the power of a renewed mind. I have learned mercy from watching my wife show mercy. I I give people two or three tries and I'll kick them to the curb. That's how I used to be. Um, Or I didn't care a whole lot about people. I had an administrative assistant in Atlanta, North Atlanta Church, and uh, I'd tell her what I'm going to do because I was pretty bent. And she says, Mike, um, if you do that, you're going to leave a few dead bodies in the way. Do I know that person? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, she would call Jeannie when I was on my way home to tell her if I was having a bad day or not. (laughs) 
I got, had good women in my life. <laughs> and I was in the ministry. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, all right, Ezekiel 36, 26. Who has it? I do. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. David said in Psalm 51, after he had committed adultery, he said, Create in me a new heart, O God. David even the man after God's own heart couldn't produce the kind of heart that only God can produce. And so if we're going to produce the fruit of the Spirit, we've got to have a connection, and that connection is driven by love. And when it's powered by love, and it's powered by a renewed mind, because He's going to teach us and guide us and correct us and train us, and then He gives us this desire um, when you have the Spirit of God living in you, it causes your natural giftedness to rise to the surface. And the thing that keeps you from doing what God naturally gifted you to do is when you're striving instead of abiding. Because when you're striving, you're afraid of failure. You're afraid it might not be right. But if you're abiding and you're living in peace and joy, see, I believe in raising our kids, the reason why they felt confident in walking through difficult situations is because they knew we loved them no matter what. Their friends could turn their back on them, but we would never. Julie was at our house yesterday. And Jeannie said, isn't she beautiful? And I said, and Julie said, Dad, you've been saying it all these years. <laughs> She's my girl. <laughs> She's beautiful. And I think it's important for our children and other people to see our love and that we're there no matter what. I use this all the time at Freedom Prayer. We're, we're, we're through in big class, but there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. Nothing. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. If I can feel that way as a parent, what about God's love for me and for you? That's why I'm saying, if we have this connection, you're not even going to realize the fruit of the Spirit is being manifested in your life, and you're going to have to have other people to tell you because you're not even focusing on the fruit. You're only focusing on walking in the relationship that you have been given. I'm not the best teacher in the world and I wasn't the best preacher. But I had to have people to tell me that 
Get a grip. <laughs> Feel like Andy Reese. Um, <laughs> um, that you have a pastoral heart. Because I didn't believe it. But you put me in a freedom prayer session and I'm in my sweet spot. There's something... that happens there, that it's so natural because that's the way God gifted you, you don't even realize what's going on. And you don't care if you know. Because all you're thinking about is the person that's sitting across from you. Right? And that's why, if it's a connection, I don't have to worry about glory. Because I'm already sharing in glory. Not to say that I don't struggle with it. Um, but if you walk away with nothing else, I just want you to walk away with the fact that God's desire for you is to produce. And, no, and you probably already know this. The word there for fruit is singular. It's not plural. It's singular. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, are you going to do them all perfectly? No. But there will be evidence. Right now, is there enough evidence to convict you that you're a Christian by the fruit of the Spirit in your life? I say, don't worry about it. Just abide. And let the Spirit take care of the rest. You guys have a good rest of the week. Thank you.